You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having, but you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program, and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, Real Men Feel Nation, and welcome to another show. I am Andy Grant. I am a transformation coach, author, and speaker, and your friendly neighborhood host of this very show, Real Men Feel, episode 55 to be specific. You can learn about future and past shows at realmenfeel.org. You can also learn about our Facebook group, be a part of those, check out our blog, and you can explore a complimentary coaching session with me. It's right there. It says coaching. It's really obvious. Um, tonight, uh, tonight, we are diving into a subject that I have a lot of personal experience with. If you're a regular listener to the program or if you know me in, in any other way, um, you'll know I don't shy away from the fact that I have struggled with depression for a lot of years, and I have even made multiple attempts to end my own life in my teens and 20s. Um, tonight, we're talking specifically about suicide in middle-aged men. And as a middle-aged man <laughs> with a lot of suicide risk factors, I honestly have to tell you, I have not been looking forward to this show at all. Yet... I'm very glad we're doing it. Um, you know, I get through challenging times, and I, I found that I get through challenging times this way by a lot of trial and error, but I get through challenging times in my life by being open and authentic about them. And ideally, over the course of this show or some other experience you have, you might learn, learn that works for you too. Because one thing I'm certain of is that suicidal people don't really want to die. We want the, uh, the pain, the fear, the stress, whatever temporary overwhelming circumstance is just feels like it's crushing us, whatever they're facing, that, they want that to stop. And you know, for me personally, it, it's only when I feel that I have no options, which is always a lie, by the way, but when I feel I have no options, that's when suicide shows up strongly. And I believe this to be the case for, for other people as well. Um. So before I go off on a longer rant or start sobbing, which are both likely tonight, I want to welcome back to the show uh, MassMen.org outreach director, outreach director and grief coach, Mr. Franklin Cook. Speak. Hi. How you, how you doing, Andy? It's good to see you. And I appreciate it whenever you go on a rant. So <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all good. I, I appreciate um, having gotten to know you and having gotten to know your story and you know, I couldn't agree more with uh, most of what you said. Cool. So yeah, Franklin was on the show 
uh, about a year ago, way back on episode 11. And I should point out that my normal co-host, Apio Hunter, is not here tonight. He uh, had a bit of a family emergency, so he's, uh, he has permission to be AWOL tonight. It's all good, but uh, and he's also everything's fine. He just had things to take care of. And, and again, tonight, um, Franklin, you brought to my attention uh, a recent research study looking specifically at suicide in middle-aged men. Yep. And until then, I did not realize that the suicide rate for, for middle-aged men was so high. You know, it seems to be like teenagers get a lot of attention or senior citizens get a lot of attention. But and I was really shocked to discover that men 35 to 64, which is the, the study's definition of middle-aged, yep. 35 yep. to 64, account for 40% of the suicides in this country. Yeah, I am not as familiar with the with the national uh, statistics as I am with the uh, statistics in Massachusetts, and the mass men uh, the mass men uh, audience is just a little bit larger than that. We we uh, address or try to reach men that we call working age men, twenty five to sixty four. So it's another decade's worth of men. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that men 25 to 64 in Massachusetts are about a fourth, 26, 27% of the population, a fourth of the population, a little more than that. And they account for 57% of the fatalities. So it's kind of a remarkable, wow. you know, if you look at, if you look at rates, you know, which, and again, in approximate numbers, it's around eight or nine or so for the whole population. And then again, depending on which year and which decade age group, it's twice that high or sometimes two and a half times that high. So it gets up to 16 or 18 per 100,000 among middle, middle aged men. And there's a lot of variability there, but it's still twice as high, um, you know, of the, of the 550 or 600 uh, men who die or people overall who die a year. If 60% of them are men, then that's, you know, um, do the math. Yep. That's, that's a bad deal. <laughs> that, yeah. So middle-aged men account for, um, the, the majority by far of the fatalities when it comes to suicide. Absolutely. In Massachusetts and across the land. All right. And I've, I've, I've known some of those reasons, like men tend to, to choose more lethal means. Um, they tend to have alcohol involved. They tend to be something else involved yep. to, to make it, and again, I, when I've been down that road is to make it easier because, you know, killing oneself is not a natural act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. themselves to, to make it easier to do. Right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's no question that, uh, you know, that what you said about suicide at, at the top, which is that people don't want to die. I mean, that there's some, you know, there's a paradox in there and that, that they're trying to die, but, but basically you know, what, how I like to look at it is if you could absolutely guarantee anybody who's thinking about suicide that you could relieve their pain somehow, they would, they would, the vast majority by far would take a go at that. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you could guarantee I'll relieve your pain instead, you know, so again, I, I think it's more complicated than, than we sometimes, uh, you know, than just about psychological pain, but um, that's definitely at the, at, the, at the root of it. So, yeah. Cool. And, and one thing I was really glad to see in this report was um, calling out the cultural ex expectations of masculinity. Yeah. Which, which is really what this show's about, the, the challenge that and the notion that you got to be tough, you got to be strong, you got to hide your emotions and, 
you know, no, this, you know, I, I feel like I exist. This show exists to say, no, that's not true. It doesn't help you do something else. Yeah. I think, um, I think really the thing about this report is that it, that it calls out a bunch of these risk factors and digs into them in a way that, that I think is going to be, is going to be very, very, very helpful because this is sort of the first salvo within the, uh, within the suicide prevention world of really drilling down on, on what's going on with men. So, so example, for example, what you're talking about, if you look at the cultural expectations of men, okay, we're, and this, these are sociocultural expectations of men, okay, or how we're socialized, so that we are to be independent and competent, okay? Well, independence and competence is a good thing. However, does it help negate men from, or, or cause men not to ask for help? That feeling of independence, that feeling of competence, I can take care of it for, my, for myself. Um, men are socialized to be able to manage their emotions or even not, not, not show emotions. So does that make men see vulnerability or a feeling of being hurt or wounded as being weakness or something like that? And, you know, again, we, we have, there's a whole slew of these, uh, of these characteristics. We're a provider and we value that highly. So if a man loses his job or has financial struggles, it can strike him doubly as both he's a quote failure at whatever it is he's lost his job or he's not making enough money, but also he's a quote failure at providing for his family. So these masculinities as, um, as the experts uh, call them really, you know, so they're identifying a bunch of stuff around that, including we are more, we are socialized to the point where alcohol is an acceptable um, way to manage our feelings or our issues. As a matter of fact, alcohol, we use it uh, to celebrate, to commiserate, to, uh, you know, for companionship, for recreation. You know what I mean? It's like part of men's culture. And so those, that's not, that's not, um, so there's a downside to that, you know, sure. when it comes to, directly when it comes to suicide. So yeah, that's right. The, the study just points to a whole uh, slew of things about what works against men um, around how we are socialized. Yeah. And, you know, all those things that are good, like every trait is just a trait and it has its plus side and its negative side. And if you're only using it for the negative side, you know, if you think that being competent means you can never ask for help, you can never be, you know, a good team player, like then that's really a distorted sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we think um, we, I don't know who we is, what, what I, how I put it, how I put it is that every every characteristic, whatever it is, has a has a positive valence and a negative valence, right? And so, um, and this is true whether you're talking about masculinities or or any or you know if you talk about feminine nurturing, okay? So then the 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 downside of that is codependency, or, you know what I mean? And you can do this with every kind of human characteristic, and so it's about um, you know using your powers for for good and not for evil, but actually using your powers for health and not for dysfunction, you right. know, is how yeah. I would put it. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. a better way to put it because the whole for good or for evil, that's, that's where not, the culture and the teaching comes from. Yeah. That's if you were taught like you're yeah. to be the best provider. You never show emotion and you shut up and you bring home a check 
And if you can't, there goes your identity as a provider. There's you exactly. go as a man. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Great. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, and we've learned more and more that, um, you know, men, and again, we might not say that we're perfectionists, right? Because perfectionism does factor into some uh, suicidal, th- you know, I'm, I'm a failure. I need to do it right. I'm obsessive compulsive about this or that or the other. Well, men believe in mastery. Okay. We want to master whatever it is, you know, whether it's our, our trade or whatever it is. And so that comes in that if we have a fault or a flaw or, or, or make a mistake or whatever, that then that, um, piles on that can pile on. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience, it was, it was like really black or white thinking. So if I fail at something, I'm a failure. Yeah, exactly. Right? At the time, because I was just so focused or so, you know, beating myself up internally for whatever was happening in my life, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, boy, I've talked to, um, you know, we really should prepare people to fail because they're just good. We are. We, you know, it's like failure should be part of the curriculum. And here's what's going to happen when you have your first bad failure. And then you're going to have three or four or five more throughout your life that about kick your butt, you know, and we don't have that course right. in, in school yeah. you know, yeah. or, or whatever, but, but that, but that course, we have to learn that, you know, we have to learn from our failures that every other person on the planet earth is having that happen to him. Every, everyone, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's where the notion of shutting up, he put in that there's nothing you are going through that someone else hasn't gone through and, and come through like thriving. No, but there, if there, all there those is. people and you keep it down and shut up and never share it. it, it yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And I, and so, so I think when you start talking about um, su- suicide then um, and you start getting into some, you know, some, some things like mental illness, like you have, you're debilitated by something. All right. So what, what all we've talked about is sort of the human condition around, you know, around failure, around how we socialized or whatever. But if you put on top of that, something that's lethal, like depression, like substance use, you know, like that, that you're using in a way that damages you or that ruins your life, you put something on top that has those kind of negative powers over you and you're trying to deal with that yourself or you're trying to you know what whatever escape you're you're using or whatever denial you're using then that can become fatal then that can absolutely become fatal um the same is true for men of uh of let's say isolation for some reason, and you know one of the one of the things about this report that I think is uh, is uh, as important as anything at all is the is the idea that what men really would benefit from is what they call connectedness. You know that we that we are isolated, whether that's actually isolated or emotionally isolated or how that turns out that isolation is part of what kills men and connectedness is part of what keeps men from dying you know and that's just all there is to it yeah yeah it really is like i i I have the the honor of leading a monthly men's group 
and, and coaching with men, uh, you know, that they, they finally share something that they've never said out loud. And like, you know, I don't hang up the phone if it's on the phone that the group doesn't leave. And they're like, Oh, like, wow, me sharing that I've gone through this or feel this way. Yep. Nobody ran screaming. And that's kind of like the fear. Yeah. The fear that, you know, breaking out of our isolation by sharing something makes us even more isolated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and I don't know what your experience has been, but in my, in my work around grief over the years, I've been doing that for probably what going on 18 years or so, you know, over the years I've been involved in men's grief work and, and men's grief groups. And one of the things that just has me totally, um, uh, grabs me by the mind is how much men, when you get them in a group and you get them rolling, they really don't, they, you really couldn't say that this group doesn't share its emotions, that this group is afraid to say that, you know, they suffer from fear or anxiety, you know what I mean? Because once you get them going, us, once you get us rolling in a safe place where we're with our bros, you know, and we're not just there to sort of you know, buck up or whatever. I mean, we, we are, we are totally fully alive, emotional beings, you know? And so, I mean, people, you know, should know that masculinity and femininity are along a continuum and that we all are both, you know, and really that, Embracing that in your in your um, in in how you in your identity, what you said, in who you are, that's a great thing, yeah. you know, and a hard thing. Yeah, I, I find that what you're talking about again over and over that it's like once the first brave man to share, to speak, to be authentic, then everyone, oh, this is safe. Like, wow, it does work. I can. <laughs> yeah, do yeah. That, right. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I have been in. Uh, uh, many, many a small group, you know, of 10 to 20 men where it really gets right down to, um, you know, weeping and, um, being angry about being treated like we aren't in touch with our emotions. You know what I mean? Like, just really look if people, like I've heard men say, yeah, um, you want me to be, um, all warm and fuzzy except for when you want me to be um strong and you know what i mean you want you give me mixed messages by you i mean you know his partner or the world or whoever you know like you want me to uh you know uh be involved in the bayonet charge when we need one you know and all that but so and 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 it is about need and like each individual man has the power to decide what the mix is, right? We, get, we do get mixed messages, and we need yeah. to be everything, but we don't need – it's not being one aspect of ourselves all the time, and that's no. the trap. That's, I, that's what I find leads to black and white thinking. That's what I find yeah. leads to no options. Yeah, yeah you know, you know um, the, great, um, the great power that comes when you, when you realize – I am not my depression or I am not my failures or I am not my whatever, you know? So when you realize that I am not just, um, the, the guy who brings home the, the check, or I am not, I am not just, um, uh, you know, whatever, whatever aspect, those little narrow aspects of ourselves that we drill into, that is not who we are. That's just a part of who we are. And absolutely, um, absolutely men, uh, 
you know, protect who yeah. they are, you know. Right. And, but and, if, uh, you know, if, I'm going to, to, to speak, in, you know, if we had the balls to ask the people near us to say, am I just a check to you? Am, am I just depression to you? Uh, you know, if, if they're loving, supportive relationships that we want to be in, they're going to say, God, no. We no, don't you see all these other things? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about some of the, you know, the signs and what's behind it. What, what, what's in this study that kind of helps? Is there anything new for, for how to deal with this for men? Well, you know, let me, uh, let me just browse through my slides a little bit and see how I want to, you know, so, so I think, I think that first of all, uh, if you, if you think about, uh, if you think about what the risks are and turn them on their head a little bit, um, then that kind of tells you what the protective factors are. Hmm. So basically it's things like, it's some basic things like, um, taking better care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. Like really, you know, if you're stressed all the time, you know, dealing with your stress, if you've got anger, um, you know, going to anger management or whatever it is. If you are sick, go to the, do <laughs> go to the doctor, <laughs> you know, so, so it's that, it's that basic physical, mental, emotional health. You know, there's kind of a, uh, a slogan, or not slogan, but kind of a cliche around, oh, self-care or whatever, but it just, just basic uh, uh, taking care of yourself. Um, I think another, another thing that is extraordinarily helpful is for people to really take a look at, at their use of alcohol and other drugs, of course, but, and, and, and where that sort of fits in, in your life. To me, one of the greatest pr protective factors is being someone who doesn't ever binge drink. Binge, binge drinking is horribly dangerous, actually. And a lot of people do it a lot of the time and don't consider themselves um, having a drinking problem. But, but moderation in alcohol, all right? Um, uh, things, things like, um, uh, you know, we say, well, go get a hobby, but it's more complicated than that. But, but do you have a circle of friends that aren't just, you know, your female partner's friends, right? Do you have uh, recreation that's just you and the guys? You know, do you have connections to the people who you who were your friends in high school? And would you like to build those? Do you belong to a cribbage club? Do you know what I mean? These all these kinds of whatever men do to be connected not just to other men, but to others is very, very, very um, uh, good, good for us. Um, do you have, do you have uh, good interrelational communication skills? If we, if we are always in a battle in relationships or relationships are always problematic, these things are skills based. All right. It's not just like you can learn how to be a better husband you know you can learn how to be a better friend so these these sorts of things and really taking a look at how how my masculinity does present itself am i a hard charger who can't let go of that do i need to be in control those kinds of things like on when we said positive negative valence around our traits you know, take a look at yourself, <laughs> you know, if you're always having to push people around or you think you have to, 
well, maybe that's about you and not them, you know? So it's, it's these, it's these um, kind of things, basically. That's a lot to say in one, in one uh, mouthful, but, but, but basically, um, do you have, do you look at life and really think about what your purpose is or what meaning it has for you. Do you focus, do, are you always worried and complaining or, or are you able to look at the positive side of things and do you really see why you're here? You know, what I don't mean. Those things are extraordinarily protective. That whole, I just said about 20 things, but those are the kind of things that are extraordinarily protective. And I think the thing for men to understand is those aren't magic. You, it's not like you either have them or you don't. Everybody has to learn how to, how to do these, you know, how to be a better interpersonal communicator. And there's ways to do that. Right. And just even the people that have them, that, again, as you said, they're all skills, so they can all be even better. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they are all, they're all skills and they all have to do with a, a you know, sort of a level of self-awareness, yeah. you know, about, um, well, partly, partly it's just about that. I don't know everything and that I'm not always right. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. There's no saying good, I love... which is a pretty good attitude to have. Generally. Yeah. Um, I think uh, th this is attributed to Theodore Roosevelt and I have always loved it, but you know, no, it's not. I don't know what they're You can be right or you can be happy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. Buddha or Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, I don't, one of those guys. Well, they both kind of have the same kind of body types, actually. Yeah. Theodore Roosevelt, actually. Yeah. Not, not but I'm always, I always tell people that, that I meet with any kind of change they want to make. Like, it all starts with awareness. So yeah. If you're not aware of your shitty self care, if you're not aware that you're drinking all the time and you're afraid not to because of what, what shows up when you're sober, what you feel like, you know, um, Look. it starts with awareness. You know, we, we talk to people who, uh, who are bereaved about numbing, right? Numbing behavior. And what we basically say is, here's how, here's how you can tell if you have a problem with numbing behavior, is if every time your tension starts to rise or whatever it is, your pain or, you know, your longing or whatever it is, you reach for whether it's a drink or the TV knob or whatever it is, right? stop doing that and see what happens. Well, if you stop doing that and you can't stand to stop doing it, um, you know, you're, you're using something to numb yourself. Yeah. Right. And I, and I dare say, I mean, I, you know, I, I might not be the right person to talk to about uh, the view of how alcohol is normalized in our society because I'm a recovering addict. And, you know, I, I am, it's not that I'm anti anything, but, but when you step outside of that and become a teetotaler um, and see how alcohol really, like we are drowning in alcohol as a normative behavior, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that, and again, even, even me saying that though is kind of misleading in a way because we don't recognize that that's for a certain percentage of, of the, of the population. And there's that really moderation is everywhere. You know, that, that really, there are a lot of people who don't drink. There are a lot of people who are very, very strict about being moderate about that, about not having a drink at every occasion or, or whatever. So, so it's a matter of 
how can that part be more normalized and be more, that's really how we are, or how we want to be as opposed to, um, yeah, I worry, I worry about, about how much our society um, is uh, immersed in alcohol as a, uh, you know, as more than just a social uh, uh, lubricant or yeah. wh- whatever you want to say. Yeah, because I, I mean, anytime it's judging the effectiveness, how, how my use or actions, whatever it is, I, I say it all comes down to your happiness. Like, are you really happy? drinking every night or when you're drunk you're really happy you know, I feel like, no it's the hell i wish i could stop you know there comes a point well maybe i'd maybe happier to getting in touch with myself and and instead of all this crap i've been numbing all this time what what if i dare touch it what if i dare let yeah. it out yeah it's tough i you know andy we've been doing a little we meaning mass men has started to reach out like to public safety workers police firemen you know, and these are great guys, you know, these guys are, they're on the front lines, you know, they have really, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, a lot of them are military uh, veterans. And I got to tell you the, the, the culture, and this is true in the military, of course, too, you know, the cultural sort of acceptance of drinking as a way of life is just like really troublesome, you know, um, because we haven't been taught, or l- the majority of society, of cultures of men, have not been taught other ways to deal. To, to yeah. you know, oh, I'm gonna just pop some beers and lose the stress of this day. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. What, well, what, we, what, we can't. They're not getting off the yoga mat. You know, they're not sitting <laughs> in a circle and meditating. And you know, it, it is. It's alcohol consumption and drugs are here. Here are the tools for men. All the other stuff is just for women or for pansies or whatever, whatever word you want to use to keep it so you never go there to keep your wall. Yeah, well, facing your pain is a hard approach to sell, you know, but basically (laughs) um, uh, facing your pain, now that sounds kind of judgmental, you face your pain or you don't, but that, but just, it's the same thing we talked about. um, It's the same thing we uh, talked about when we just talked about, you know, failure, that, that, uh, that a part of life is being horribly sad at times, that a part of life is being horribly afraid at times, that a part of life is being horribly disappointed at times, a part of life is feeling horribly abandoned. These things are what it is. And, and you, you can always turn the switch off, right? Mechanically or whatever, but at what cost, you know? So, so we we learn to be our uh, we learn to be our full selves by experiencing our full experience. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's life is to be experienced, and the full emotional range is available to it. It's not just these three emotions are for men, and these other six emotions are for women, and that's what fucks people up over <laughs> and over. Yeah. 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 Lori just uh, made a made a note in the in the chat about look at how our culture. Well, she's talking about the 50s and 60s and the Mad Men culture. My, my oldest son uh, forced me to uh, get into Mad Men because I'm not really a TV watcher. And he says, oh, you've got to see that. But boy, look at, look at, oh, that is just like a great, Mad Men is a great look at how masculinity is not just about drinking, but in every way, you know, we've, we've evolved from, I mean, you, oh, it was just so... Being a man and a woman in 1950 in America was very different than now. Very yeah. So 
that's and that's another thing you know it'll sound like i'm changing subjects here but it, what it made me think of is you know we were talking about what you know what 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 is challenging middle-aged men so so one of the things that is challenging middle so i was born in 1954 so so my generation especially all right if you grew up in the 1950s and 1960s you lived in 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 the masculinity of world war ii you know you lived in the masculinity where women didn't work you know you know where where um it was just like such a different world and over the span of me becoming a grown-up you know um over those 45 years the number of deep, deep changes that have come forward around what it means to be a man, the number of deep, deep criticisms of traditional masculinity, which, which, which my people value, you know, and that's looked at as negative, only negative, etc. And the number of changes around, well, well how do men and women um, navigate this world together? It has been amazing, you know, and it's very, you know, it's caused people to sort of have a foot in both, as if there's only two worlds, but to have a foot in both worlds. Like I have, I have uh, my first two uh, sons uh, were raised by other people than me. I got divorced from their mom when they were pretty young. And so they were raised in a religious um, environment and so they are more traditional masculinity than i am mm. right and even though they're they're of course you know younger than me so it's a very dynamic very dynamic uh thing the the idea of what has happened to masculinity and what is happening to masculinity mm. and how men feel ab about that you know that they feel judged for being a certain way or whatever so those things are all very very I think, uh, profound and poignant for men. Yeah, I always invite guys to, you know, look at the people or society, look at what taught you what being a man is, what, who taught you masculinity, and were they happy? <laughs> That's not like, you know, were the men of the 50s and 60s coming back from the war, you know, were they freaking happy? Like, maybe that generation had to go through that, discover, crap, this is not the way to be men. And hopefully the next generation, you said, like consciousness, growth, awareness, it keeps evolving. People are evolving. And I just find that anything that puts you in a box, belief system-wise, you know, role-wise, any constraint like that it isn't natural. Well, there, there are... Um... Well, now we're going to get into a complicated spot. Here. Good. <laughs> you know? How much time do we have left, Andy? Okay, so, well, here's... Here, th there are great advantages to being in a patriarchal society if you're a man. So men have been happy being in a patriarchal society. But can you be sure? Do you know they were happy? Just because you're in power, were they happy? Well, like I, I can't prove that. I, I got to tell you, um, the it doesn't matter whether we're talking about masculinity and femininity, whether we're talking about a majority race and a minority race, whether we're talking about nationalisms, right? Whether we're talking about 
older people and younger people, right? Egalitarianism is a hard thing to do because the people, whatever, whatever's part it is that has the power, all right, and this is a gross oversimplification, but whatever uh, part it is that has the power gets the good stuff, <laughs> you, know? you know? And so egalitarianism means that you spread that out to everyone, right? And so to me, um, to me, a, a part of the issue is seeing everyone as my brother or sister, as the case may be. And now that's even gendered, you know, so, so you know, or, or you don't want to um, even just say that there's two, only two genders, you know what I mean? So it's even wider than that. But, but to think of everyone is, is my brother and everyone is my sister. I've got to tell you, that's what, um, that's what um, being in touch with your, masculine side or feminine side is about is just realizing oh everybody's like me yeah everybody is equal to me that's really the bottom line mm -hmm. and um, that's, i mean that's being in touch with your humanity it is not gender, just, right. yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that's why i say it doesn't matter if yeah. you're talking around around race lines or economic lines or age lines or whatever just everybody um is is like me you know there's no separation between us yeah. we're interconnected absolutely right. well again we talked about connection benefiting yeah. men and so i mean the ultimate connection is this you know that we yeah, really absolutely. all connected and absolutely. we're one energy and you get yep. into spiritual consciousness talk yep. and yeah like until i got to that place in my personal life and my experience you know i was sure life sucked the world sucked. I suck. Everything sucks. Why would I want to stay here any longer? Like you could not talk me out of it until I had an experience of connection that yeah. I was more than this. And, yeah. Yeah. and you can't find that drinking every day. You, yeah. you can't find that. I, I couldn't find that. I could ignoring my emotions. I couldn't. Yeah. I I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally up to date with that. Yeah. So, so again, you know, we keep circling back around to this idea of, uh, of being connected to one another, it really is about the most protective thing, you know, that there is. And, and, and I think that what, what, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, at what men do when they're under duress, when they're losing things, when things are going wrong, when they get sick, there, there's a time when men kill themselves, right? Um, you know, they, so, so, so f let me see how far off on a tangent should I go here? Well, you know, so, so, so basically if I'm a man and I, f and I get sick and I feel like I'm a burden to everyone, that is, you know, that is what, that is one of the things that one of the, one of the premier theories about suicide says is one of the, one of the key components, uh, you know, it's called the interpersonal theory, inner, inner, uh, can't say the word, I'll, I'll remember it. Um, but anyway, it's Tom Joyner's work. I don't know if you've run into Tom Joyner, but basically he says that suicide comes about, there's, there's three, three components. And one is um, a decreased feeling of belongingness, right? Decreased feeling of connectedness, right? An increased feeling of burdensomeness. And the capacity 
to harm yourself basically he you know he, there's a there's a lot of different ways to look at it but basically um he calls it he calls it um fearlessness um which i think is not a good term because it's not about fearlessness it's just about the ability to take a lethal action against yourself which yeah. isn't, doesn't necessarily have to do with fear or not it always sounds like uh, to, to me you know hopelessness and helplessness absolutely were those last kind yeah, of stuff. yeah 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 um those are totally those that. are among the key warning signs hopelessness yeah. helplessness anxiety anger disconnectedness burdensomeness yeah yeah because i know again in, in my own experience when i was so depressed and it was just going on and on and i really believed my my parents my wife the people that liked me and loved me were better off if i was gone because yeah. i felt like yeah, that exactly, much of a exactly yeah exactly yeah exactly but again, when I'm connected, when I'm feeling my emotions and all of them, when I'm uh, expressing them and sharing them, I, I just, I don't end up in that place. So uh, like even, even recently, it, like sometimes I talk about this, like it's been forever ago, but just 18 months ago, I was shopping for cyanide online and I had found really? someone. Yeah. So this returns and it, and it, but it was all triggered. It was a, a time of, uh, great financial challenge and difficulty and and that's kind of the all these you know supposed to be a grown-up fears that show up and i'm like fuck yeah you know this should be happening i'm supposed to have it together by now and and uh, you know it can always come back i am uh i am really glad you 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 mentioned that because because really i think that that's you know we may be getting a little far afield from just focusing on on middle-aged men which i think which which i think is fine but um, but really one of the, one of the, <laughs> you know, one of the things is that you don't just fix it. You have to fix it again, you know, again and again. And I, and I, and I can very much relate to that over, you know, because I have, um, you know, I have a couple of diagnoses, <laughs> you know, um, but, but one of them is major depressive disorder and, and that is very often in remission in my life, right? And sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just as dark or whatever as ever, you know? Including, you know, I've never, I've never attempted suicide, um, but I think a lot of that, well, I shouldn't speculate about, about why that is, but I've never, I've never attempted suicide, but I have you know, three or four times in my life for a period of time, I can't imagine feeling more suicidal. <laughs> you know, it's just that I never, never wanted to do, to do it, you know? Um, and, but the feeling had to be, you know, similar to what people feel who kill themselves because it was so extreme and so haunting. And yeah, that has come my way, you know, within not that, not that long ago. And 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 I don't feel like it's a crisis or something like that, but it's just as painful mm-hmm. as ever. You know, I don't fear for my life over it, but it's just as painful as ever. Yeah. Yeah. I even, uh, I, I wrote about, uh, Amy Bluel's death. She, uh, founded project. Semicolon, yep, 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 and, she, yep. and she recently died by suicide. And I, I, I wrote this story for the good men project and talked about like getting help is, is a continuum. We've talked about that already. Yep, yep, you always yep. got to be willing to get help. It isn't, you know, took the pill. You never get that. There's not a, there's not a vaccine for suicidal thoughts. No. I mean, no. unless it's, you know, we, well, we've given some, you know, connectedness, interests, yeah. hobbies, exactly, sharing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All those, all those things, but it's still, uh, 
Yeah, and I suppose, you know, for, for me, um, the, the great fortunate thing uh, for me in terms of how I look at these things comes from I, I was eligible for the simplest program of recovery on the planet Earth, which is 12-step recovery. You know, it's just like basically, okay, here's the step. Here's what you do. Here's how, you know, here's, here's how it works. You know, so for me, that, that, um, that idea that you have to start over every day or every minute or whatever, you, you don't have to, you get to. Mm. Yeah. So you make that shift that, that that really is how it works for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've done enough work and releasing and feeling emotions and, and feeling my fears and stuff. So I'll, I'll, I've, I can have suicidal thoughts and no, I'm not going to act on them. And that, that took a while to get used to like that. Like, wait a minute, where's my impulse? What the fuck's going on? I'm, I'm supposed to be a suicidal guy. And yeah, yeah, we yeah, said earlier, absolutely. I'm not your identity. So even as my identity was something I didn't like, I was still like, when I noticed it was gone, I was like, well, if I'm not going to die, what the frick am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't we un unmute Lori since there's only three of us here and we can. Well, you're so, yeah. Lori, do you want to talk? You want to. All right. Go ahead. What do you want to say? Yeah. It doesn't, you know, I just felt like, you know, 30 people had come on. <laughs> but, but yeah, what's, what's your reflection on, on all of this uh, uh, man banter? Well, I, I think, what, what I think is, I think it's very similar to what women go through. If you don't feel connected, you, you, you run into problems. And I think men struggle with that a little bit more. Women tend to um, be more willing to share things and talk about things, but not all women. So it's, um, you know, I definitely tend to be a bit more closed mouth about what's going on in my life and how it affects me. You know, I'm not, you know, where Andy is like willing to go out on Facebook and share everything. I tend to keep it much more internal yeah. and talk to a couple of close friends about it, but not the whole world. But it's funny, Lori, because Lori, how many brothers you have? I have five. Yeah. And I was raised by a single mom. So kind of my teaching brought me almost to the more feminine sharing and your upbringing had you be more closed. So it really right. is learned behavior. It's, yeah. it's just such a great example of the fact that masculinity and femininity are socially constructed and right. that we're all, all of it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just absolutely, yeah, it's just absolutely true. And it's it's. And I just caught on the uh, to the idea that Lori is Lori Grant. Yeah, I'm his wife. And that would make you too relate. Yeah, see, I know. So uh -oh. there you go. Well, lucky him. I don't know what I can say about that. So yeah. Well, it's <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice I got an unstable. I got an unstable internet. Yeah, we lost you a little bit there. So, so frankly, you're really telling me you didn't know when you asked Lori to speak up, you didn't know that was my wife. I didn't. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. <laughs> I, didn't. I didn't. But I'm glad to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it, what I find, um, and I've done some research on this too with the addiction stuff. That was just there was a study out not that long ago that the one of the main ways to cure addiction is to make connection. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. it's all, 
it's all that same thing. And I was just speaking to someone earlier today who works in a prison system. And um, she was talking very much about that same thing that, you know, it's, it's really how men, you're not taught to connect. Yeah. I mean, just in our, you know, in, in this culture, I can't speak of other countries and other cultures the same way, but in this culture, you, you know, you're not taught to connect. Actually, you're, you're taught not to. Yeah, absolutely. When, you know, when, if there's abuse or there's anything like that in your world, there isn't somebody to go to and connect with and it creates all the addiction and they, they've already found that what, more than 90, like, I think they want to say like between 95 and 97% of addicts come from abuse. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't heard that figure, but I can definitely tell you that um, when it, when it, whether you're talking about, um, whether you're talking about grief or you're talking about addiction or, or whatever the case may be that the people who recover um, are, are almost always uh, buoyed in some way by a small circle of consistent con- connection of some sort. That that's what helps people get over the hump, so to speak. That people, um, that people have uh, a little network of people that they're connected to that rally around them in some way. And that is what, like for, like for me, like my, my, my story in part is just that my family of orig- origin always stuck, st- stuck with me. You know, like I can remember one time my brother made me weep not, not too long ago because he was talking about uh, talking to somebody else about, because I was a relapser. I went through a, a really ugly uh, decade or so, about 12 years of relapse and he was telling me about um somebody uh asking him well well how many times do you um how many times do you go to the rescue so to speak and and my brother basically said as many times as we need to you know what i mean and so and so my family had that that feeling you know that you know and i i can't imagine um how people feel when their family quits you know what I mean? When right. their circle sort of, sort of dissipates, you know, cause right. that probably is something that saved me. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot depends on what, you know, when you relapse, what, what goes on? Like some people are horrible to their fan, like they can't yeah. be yeah, around exactly. anymore. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot depends on when, when you're going, when you're dropping down into your cycle, are you trying to bring everybody else with you or are you just, yep. You know, because I know people who have been in, you know, like they've just tried to destroy their family in their, in their yeah. addiction. Yeah. And I don't think, obviously it's not a conscious thing, but well, so sometimes, sometimes the family is. has to step back and go, yep. we can't, you know, if you get clean, I'm there for you, but I can't, I can't be around you when you're not. Like right. I have friends who, who basically said when you're drinking, we you right. can't come around but it's if you a hard it's a hard hard thing because all that is kind of necessary in its own in its own rhythm too right. so absolutely yeah because right. you can't keep being the enablers yeah exactly that's for anything that's not just for addiction right that's so for I'm everything a, that's a, right i'm a fixer in, in by by nature and um I, you end up enabling yep, right? so it's exactly. no accident that i married somebody who had all those issues right <laughs> it isn't 
You mean it's preordained by the stars, right? Uh, something like <laughs> but, that. <laughs> yeah. But no, there was a time that when, when I really felt healthy and strong for years, we were like, does that mean this marriage is over? Like, were you just here to make sure I didn't die? And like, what, what's next? Like, yeah. I really didn't know what the frick I was if I wasn't the suicidal right. guy. We fit and, together like this. Right. And it's, and, and I think you, you see a lot of people in relationships, like, and you can, you can tell me if this is true, Franklin, when you get sober, how many marriages end no, when it's the sobriety a, comes in? Because the other person was so codependent on that relationship being the way it was that once they are no longer in that role, absolutely. The part like no one knows how to be in a, in that relationship. Yeah. Andy and I were fortunate that we both did enough self growth work and self development <laughs> work that we sort of said we evolved have to, together. Yeah, we have together. to yeah relationship and see what happens. But yeah, it's absolutely like it, like like in my case. Um, another thing that happens and what happened to me was that I was in a relationship. My second marriage was with somebody else who was an addict as well. And so when I got clean, when I went to treatment, it wasn't that she wasn't supportive to the limits that she knew what that meant, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't live with an active addict, you know? And so, you know, and I'm not blaming her, or I don't mean that, but but right. I was clean after the first time I went to treatment. I I was clean, you know, for seven months, you know. Which now it doesn't seem like very long, but at the time it seemed like forever, you know. Um, and it seemed. And another thing about addiction, I think that's really interesting is there's also a cultural component to addiction. Like really the addict's lifestyle or the alcoholic's lifestyle, there's a culture, there's a cultural component of that, that, that draws people in. And I think that, um, I think that there's something to that, 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 that you need, um, uh, you know, it's just like uh, you need to be deculturated, you know, from, from that culture. And maybe there's something to that around, around men's, culture that we you know that that a part of it is being more um you know like learning something culture deep you know i think is harder than just learning a skill or whatever you know i just really think that that's true yeah but yeah like like every subculture has a thing and and yeah, if, if exactly. you're surrounded by addicts they're all going to be like I don't want you getting help. That means there's something wrong with me, right? Yeah. You, we all got to stay here in the pile of shit together. <laughs> this is life. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, it, it brings up a, it brings up another point um, from the you know we really haven't talked about this angle from the from the report, but but another thing that the report is excellent on um, is the fact that men's culture needs to be accounted for in how we help men. So we talk about cultural competence when we talk about all kinds of, of culture, culture's needs. Well, do service providers and do helpers have cultural competence around men, you know, around how to be with men? Like, for instance, there's, you know, there's a bunch of things about it, like that men like to um, deal with things side by side instead of face to face. They like to deal things by working on something as opposed to talking about something. 
etc. These are all very legitimate. You know what I mean? It's not, oh, well, that we need to retrain men to be different. You know, can we, can we be more culturally competent in the, in the mental health field and in the substance use field and in the interpersonal relationship field and elsewhere, you know, to take into account how, you know, like how we are, you know? So that's also, I think, a huge thing that this report does is it really says, let's take a look at, at who men really are and not be judgmental and meet them where they are and help men, um, you know, become all that they are, you know, to become full, full human beings and uh, not put them in a box or like, it still rubs me the wrong way to say, to say, well, men won't seek help. My God, we do, you know, it's just like there's these cliche, not cliche, but we are stereotyped, right? We are stereotyped over, over society's, uh, sociocultural expectations and so i just think that this report is just like uh like i said at the top it's like the first salvo of i mean a lot these men's psychology has been around for a long time so it's not like these are all new ideas but taking them and saying okay let's really apply them to suicide and what's happening to men that is horrendous really around suicide. I think it's the first, um, it's just like opening the door and more is going to come behind it. So I'm really, you know, I'm really excited about the report and about the Suicide Prevention Resource Center uh, focusing on this. And I think men's suicide prevention is going to become a priority in our nation now. Yeah. I mean, it has to. It does. Yeah. One of the, one of the most, one of the most, uh, moving lines in the whole report it basically says unless we reduce suicide in this population meaning middle-aged men we will not reduce suicide numbers in the country because that's where the numbers are right period so yeah. Yeah. and you know we've mentioned the study a few times so i want to get the full title out for everybody but preventing suicide among men in the middle years recommendations for suicide prevention programs yeah. and there will be a link to the study uh, on realmenfeel.org in the show notes for this show episode 55 so if you want to track it down and read it yourself um you'll find it there and check out massmen.org that's what i get paid the big bucks to say so <laughs> then say it again <laughs> <laughs> massmen.org beautiful we'll have a link to that as well okay. and uh i i just i want to say one thing i'm very um intrigued because i do a lot of work around life purpose profiles and the um the description of the men that as you talk about it franklin it sounds a lot like a, two of the profiles out of the five and i think the big struggle is like those are the two predominant, I want to say masculine profiles. So they're much more accepted in the world. Mm -hmm. But the other three profiles that 60% of the men have are not so accepted and they pretend to be the other two. And they spend so much of their life not even being true to who they are because they don't fit. And I'm doing air quotes for people. (laughs) Yeah. Fit into what they think they're supposed to. And it's a huge, it's just when you talk about like how the men, you know, um, they don't want to talk about things and stuff like that, but there is a huge portion of men who really do. 
Yeah, and you get judged negatively. I hear what you're saying exactly, and it is terrifying to say it. It is really a huge part of what sort of, uh, you know, what sort of keeps the status quo like it is. Is you're negatively sanctioned if you get all warm and fuzzy or whatever the case may be. Right? No, I think that that's a great observation. So cool. I just yeah. I would just wanted to bring that up with the study because as it, as you said it I was like <gasps> yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah so I I mean anytime masculinity has you hiding behind something anytime masculinity has you acting like something then that's what tells you the definition you're operating under is bullshit if you've got to act like something that you aren't something's something's wrong in what you're yes. trying to follow yes right. absolutely yeah. And, and this is something I share all the time, and I definitely want to say it in the context of this show, and for anyone dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever the life stresses are, the, if, you're, if you're reading the report, you're hearing the show, you recognize yourself in risk factors, but it, sometimes the bravest thing you can do is ask for help. Yep, absolutely. There's no question in my mind that um, that, that, is a, that, is a, that is an act of courage. That is an act of courage, and and it is especially an act of courage when you're when you feel beaten. You know, it's the hardest time to do it, and and that's when you need to do it the most. And it is uh, it is uh, it is a great great um, act of courage yeah. to ask for help. Yeah. So you know, I just encourage men of all ages. Right. Be willing and strong enough to feel and share your emotions. Like, what, what if that is what society decided being a man was? Right. It would just, oh, it lets everybody. I think it is, actually. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. So thank you, Lori. Thank you, Franklin. Thank you. Whew. So, uh, boy, we'll be live again. Real Men Fan will be live again next Tuesday, April 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be joined by our guest, James John, the co-founder of Love, Appreciate, and Forgive, talking about living life with joy every day. And, well, goddamn, that's, that's a suicide prevention technique. If you can live with joy every day, you're going to be okay. That will help you. <laughs> awesome. So thanks again, Franklin. Thank uh, you so much. It's great to talk to you. Find uh, massmen.org, uh, the link to the study. We'll have all the links at realmenfeel.org. Uh, take advantage of a call with me if we've uh, – Bummed you out tonight. I'll pick you back up later. <laughs> but uh, be good to yourself. Take care of yourself. Get that feeling of connection. Find your group. Find your tribe. And, and be the authentic you. And life really gets easier then. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.